This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condes Presley. It's all over television, men, women, everywhere, looking for that one special someone who can and will supply their every need. Whether it's on television or Dr. Phil, folks are just looking for answers to help heal their relationship woes. There is a show that's on the stage. You've got one more chance to see it this afternoon at 3 o'clock at the Cobb Energy Center. I saw it last night, and it was wonderful. Things Your Man Won't Do. Again, 3 o'clock this afternoon at the Cobb Energy Center. Tickets range from $47.50 to $57.50. Just go and get them at the box office today. It is produced by Jacarius Johnson, who I'm happy to have in the studio with us, along with three of the stars of this play, actor Alan Payne. You've seen him in New Jack City, Jason's Lyric, most recently on TBS in the House of Pain. Atlanta actress Terry J. Vaughn, cultural icon as Lovita Elise Jenkins Robinson on the Steve Harvey Show. You guys were watching that. And also with us is Leon Robinson. You know him from the Five Heartbeats. He's in the play as well. All four of them are in our studio, and we're just about to have some fun. Mr. Johnson, I just want to start with you. Tell us a little bit about this show. What is it about? What have audiences been jumping to their feet for? Um, well, the, the short premise of the play is about a couple having relationship issues, and uh, they decide to go to counseling, but the counselor he picked out happens to be her ex. So um, with that, a whole lot of drama and comedy ensues as a result of that. But it takes place in, uh, in St. Louis with the background of Ferguson um, in the backdrop. So uh, it's actually interesting because I'm from Houston. It takes place between Houston and St. Louis. I'm from Houston, and my wife is from St. Louis. So it was kind of a, a piece that was a dedication to St. Louis and give some perspective um, on relationships and Ferguson simultaneously and show how, while things are going on in our environment, how they also impact and affect our relationships inside the house, um, you know, with the things that are going on outside. So now tell me about these three brilliant actors that you have in the studio today and the characters that they play. Well, th these are three fantastic actors. Right here to my right is Alan Payne, who I've had the pleasure, actually I've had the pleasure of working with all of them more than once. Um, but, uh, I mean, everybody knows Alan. Jason's lyric, New Jack City. He's just uh, a, a wonderful, wonderful, extremely talented individual. He plays uh, the leading man, um, Demetrius McAllister. Demetrius is a bails bondsman who bails out his cousin, who's the one that gets arrested in the Ferguson riots. And he's uh, in a relationship um, with Essence Atkins, who um, is basically wanting to move the relationship to the next level. But he is having some some trust issues and, you know, want to move at his own pace, not be pressured into marriage, but be able to walk into marriage uh, on his own terms. And so there, therein lies some conflict between them. His good college buddy is played by Leon who, of course, everyone knows from Temptations, Five Heartbeats, et cetera, and a million other movies. But he's, he's a psychologist who uh, comes in town to protest in the Ferguson riot and actually comes by the Bells Bondsman and reconnects with his, uh, his college roommate and college buddy uh, and, and, and offers some counseling in their relationship. Uh, but unbeknownst to Mr. Payne, Mr. Leon is is her ex 
So, uh, and then you have Terry J. Vaughn over there who plays Katrina, named truly after the Katrina hurricane, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> because she's like a hurricane that runs through this story and this play, you know, causing all kinds of havoc, but at the same time creating the most irrational, rational advice that you could possibly hear. And and sometimes in craziness comes out the most sane um, answers to things, and, and that's what she provides uh, in this story. She's also dating the character that gets arrested in the Ferguson, so she has to deal kind of with her own relationship dynamics. Terry Vaughn, what was the appeal of this character to you? Is she fun to play? Uh, she's so fun to play. I mean, the the play itself is, is a very, very fun play. And yes, it touches on some serious issues, but it's, for me, is just really fun. And what really made me sign on was not just that the show is amazing itself, but the people that were involved with Alan and Essence and Leon. Um, it's This is actually my first time working with Alan, but so that was a treat. I I know How Essence. How did Jones paths not cross before? I don't know. I don't know. I think he's I, been I, avoiding me. I yeah, think he's scared of me. He's scared. Yeah. He's scared. <laughs> <laughs> We both worked for Tyler at the same time. Uh, She was shooting the Browns at the same time Mm -hmm. that I was shooting House of Pain. So we would see each other sometimes. But just never had the opportunity to work together. Right. So tell me about, you're you're the lead in the play. We've heard your character described. How do you describe your character and and what you're doing here? Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily call him the lead, although he may spend the most time on stage he's this is really an ensemble piece um but what's beautiful about my character is sasha asked me uh about women dating women and i and i said the one thing that's most important that that a woman be able to evolve and to grow in the relationship and i think that we watch my character demetrius um evolve as a human being during the course of the play because he continues from from the start he's talking about how his last relationship affected him emotionally and he was rushed to the altar and by the end of the play he has to give up this woman he's he was already willing to be in a relationship with this woman for a year without without having intimacy with her but then by the end of the play you know he uh well I, I, I yeah don't give it away <laughs> don't give it away we, we're still we, we want folks to yeah. come out and see you guys but, this afternoon but yeah. he has to he has to have he, he evolves he just evolves through the whole piece leon i'm the psychologist who comes to ferguson um to protest the goings on there um or so it seems but um actually um i've come there because um i realized that my old college roommate is um going out with the woman who walked out of my life because i heard her and i've been looking for her and she's changed her number and where she lives and everything else and so <laughs> when i offer my advice to check her out because i don't want him to get hurt again um he agrees and when I um, show up to the house to give um, some therapy, obviously he's not there at first, so I give us some therapy. <laughs> <laughs> he's a mess. I don't quite see it that way, but because <laughs> <laughs> you're not there. <laughs> it sounds as if you all take your audiences through a roller coaster yes. of emotions. Yes. Oh yes. This, oh this yes. Two hour sure. plus. Program. Oh yes. Also, a lot sure. of it, I think, because even. You know, if you just give some backstory, when Leon's character shows up and says, and he doesn't, he doesn't disclose any of this to me, but when he tells Essence that 
he got a divorce, you, you realize the fact that he was looking for her. It shows some maturity on his part because he's had to reflect on what it, what it is that he was doing with her when she's looking at him as a cheater. And he's saying, no, that relationship really didn't, it didn't fulfill me. And, I, and you really were the woman that I, that I always wanted, but I had to mature into that guy. Each of you, <laughs> like, yeah, right. It all sounds like cheating to me. <laughs> you oh, notice, you I just, you know, I let that go. Yeah, yeah, no, without a doubt. Yes, I mean, but you know, one thing I want to say about this play is that um, it has a lot of all these things that we're talking about: um, relationship dynamics, um, lessons to be learned. But it is a hilarious ride throughout. You are laughing and then you're ready to cry and then you're laughing again. But I'm talking, you have to kind of laugh where you know you got to hold your stomach, look at the person next to you, fall on them, like that kind of situation. So, and, and that is what I love about this play because you are thoroughly entertained. Mr. Johnson, you have written a number of these productions. How did you know you had the gift to take your audiences on such an emotional roller coaster that you could write humor and you could write drama and you could set a play in St. Louis in the aftermath of Ferguson and know that it would be as successful as this show has been? Well, you, you kind of don't know till you do it. Um, you know, I, I was blessed to start at 19 years old doing this and um, uh, actually Alan Payne was in one of my first plays, Men Crying in Dark. Um, a, a while ago, him and uh, Richard Roundtree. And it's kind of trial and error. You know, you, you present it and, and the audience, you see the audience respond, you see what they're responding to. And like anything, whenever you try to inspire people and, and, and give information at the same time, it's kind of like medicine, but you got to find the sugar around that medicine so that people can digest it. And especially when you're talking about what I believe my ministry is, which is love and restoring love and, and restoring black relationships because I feel we're so disjointed and broken um, and separate now. It's so Singleness has become kind of, um, I think, the cop-out for the lack of relationships. So, uh, and, and you know, so relationships are kind of instant like social media right now. There's no investment in each other. There's no investment in time. There's no getting to know each other. There's no courtship. All of the things that make relationships last and have true value beyond you look good, he finds she's this, this and this, and money, and we're missing that. And so my goal is to say, hey, we can restore this, and black is primarily the only culture that's like that. I mean, we're, we're the only group of people, we have more single women, more single this, more um, broken homes, more single parents, more, we have more, in the black household than, than anywhere. And I'm saying, you know, where is the problem? The problem is in the communication process. Men want things, women want things, and we really want the same things. We just have two different approaches in order to get it. Um, and I think if we explore those approaches and open up that communication barrier, we'll realize that we want the same things and it'll be easier for us to actually stay together. Jacarius, I like how you call that your ministry because I had one expert on this program tell me one time, the reason that it's so tough for us people of color especially in the african-american culture is because of our history and our heritage and bottom line unlike others we never really learn how to date did you find that that to be the case any i mean that's actually i'd open that up to to all yeah. you guys i mean yeah, alan absolutely. you just you nodded as soon as i said that yeah i'd like to address that because what we what what our parents had i think this is a specific thing with regard to allowing us to become capitalists 
because our parents, my parents and grandparents, most of us didn't know. I mean, we, we've always had, you know, people, entrepreneurs and black folks in the black community that were successful. But as a whole, the vision and the idea of, of being capitalist and, and participating in the, in the free market the way we do now was never really a part of our culture as a whole. And so when we decided that, you know, that was something that we could do when we were allowed to actually participate in it, we thought it was a trade off. And we did the same thing with integration. We traded off a lot of our and we traded off a lot of our entrepreneurship and our business to be a part of this, you know, integration movement. And we found that it didn't work. Well, we traded a lot of our love and interest for each other for the idea of capitalism and we lost family and we and we lost love as a whole. Mm-hmm. Terry, you're nodding. You got some thoughts on that? No, I just I just thought that was beautiful, deep. huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense. Um, you know, I I'm a girl that that loves to I I love love and you know, I have a lot of friends that are always complaining about being single or not meeting the right guy. And I mean, and you know, I can never go there with them because I've never had a problem like meeting a nice guy. That's that hasn't been the, the issue. The issue is just me being ready and meeting the person when he's ready um, to make a mature relationship out of it. Um, so I don't buy into I don't buy into. Um, you can't find a, a nice guy or you can't find a nice girl. I don't buy into that at all. I just think that we all need to do a lot of self work. You know, yep. yeah, I agree. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I just wanted to piggyback off of because my, my complete thought, and I really, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to share this, is because this is really cultural. And I think before slavery, and if you look at black women, Black women have a sense of themselves that you don't see in any other culture. And I think that in my studies and my research, I think that comes from a place that prior to slavery, we continuously look to slavery from our, as our historical context of who we are. But if you look to who we were prior to slavery, we venerated and exalted black women because they, give, they were the givers of life and they were the nurturers of life. And so if you look at black women and their sense of themselves and their sense of almost disgust with the lack of veneration currently, the lack of support that, that we you know, that, that is a part of our culture today. And I'm not being critical of any other culture. What I'm saying is that we're a people who actually understood that in order for us to be our best, you have to elevate and venerate the mothers and the, and the wives and the sisters of culture. But we live in a culture that doesn't necessarily see women the way we historically have treated our women. So now the, 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 the dichotomy is that we're trying to integrate and be a part of the larger culture when we historically have a culture that says, no, the most important thing in our culture used to be these women. And so now what you see in the disappointment and the heartbreak in women is they inherently genetically can feel this is who I am and this is how I used to be treated. But I'm no longer treated this way because we are who we are now is a part of a subculture that doesn't treat women that way at all. 
Yeah, what I wanted to say earlier, it was almost a continuation of um, what Terry was talking about is, you know, we spend so much time trying to find this right person, um, this person that's supposed to be right for us. Well, I don't know, you know, what that means. You know, the, the idea of there's someone out there or a soulmate is kind of ridiculous because if there, if that is true, the chances of you meeting them throughout the entire world in the places that you happen to go is like finding a needle in a haystack. I think the most important thing is we need to find ourselves. Yeah. And once we find ourselves, I think who is right for us or who we can make right and what we can make, because a relationship is something you have to work on. You have to make it right. You choose to go through life or a time in your life with a person and it requires a great deal of time, energy, sacrifice, and you know, and you have to be willing to do that. And you can't even start to do that if you don't know who you are. So how am I supposed to find out who's right for me and I don't even know who I am? I think we need to spend more time figuring out who we are, knowing ourselves, knowing what we really want. I mean, I can tell you right now from personal experience, I've gone out with women that's like that, that, that wasn't what I wanted. I can look at it right now. It's like, I am like, there's no way I would do that right now because that's not who I am. And if I knew who I was or who I was going to be, that's a decision I would have never made. Jakari, yes, I take it you want people to start talking to each other after they've seen your show. Absolutely. Talk, you know, talk, love, communicate better. Um, it, a lot of this is on personal experience. Uh, after dating or attempting to date a few times, I came to the conclusion that you know, only really only two whole people can have a whole and healthy relationship and it has to be two healthy people too. And when I say healthy, meaning whatever you are sum total of all of your relationships. And if you don't address those elements in your life and get rid of the bad things, the bad experiences, move forward, forgive and, and go beyond that so that you are whole when you actually meet a person. Well, they're meeting, they don't know who they're meeting and you don't even know who they're meeting because you don't know who you are at that moment. And it took my wife in order for me to, to, to realize this. And, you know, she's had relationships before, but whatever work she did post those relationships to move beyond whatever setbacks, heartbreaks or whatever happened, she, she did the work so that by the time I came along, I didn't have to deal with anything but what was in front of me. And what was in front of me was a pure reflection of what I was giving. So what I realized, and I even said this in my vows, it was the first woman that I looked into her eyes and her eyes were so pure, I saw my own flaws. So and you knew immediately. I, well, it, it, wasn't that it, was, it wasn't that it was immediate. It was that my baggage was not reverberating and on her and her baggage coming back to me. If my baggage spewed out of me, then the, the result of that was just the impact of my baggage. And so I had to look at the damage I did. So if I said something inappropriately or um, wasn't treating her the way she deserved to be treated, there was no retaliation. And so you can't, if one hand clapping can't make a sound. So you begin to auto-correct yourself into being a better man. Whereas in previous relationships, if, if, if I'm on the defensive, and I throw something at you, then you're on the defensive and now your baggage is stirring something and it's throwing it back and now I can point the finger at you and you can point the finger at me and neither one of us are seeing ourselves and how we contributed to this because we're so busy pointing the finger at one another. But when you're in a situation where there is no finger being pointed back at you, 
All you have to look at is your damage. This is what you did. She didn't come back and retaliate. She didn't come back and say this and this. She didn't come back and call me on my name. She didn't come back and do anything. She just sat there, took what I did, and made me realize what I did. And say, and I said, wow, I don't ever want to make her feel like this ever again. And why did I do it? She didn't do anything, so why did I do it? And so you begin to chip away and say, man, I have, I have things. I have issues in me that I need to deal with and address, you know, and, and so you begin to work on yourself. You can only change you. I can't change her. She couldn't change me. But the way in which she was able to do something like that was by just letting me see me. That's a very important message for all of our listeners to hear. Before we wrap up, I did want to ask you guys one thing. You each have done theater, film, television. Knowing that each medium is different, is there one that you appreciate more or enjoy doing more than the other? Terry. Uh, for me, I I like doing uh, television um, because I have a family and I like to be at home and I like a set schedule to be able to go to work, go do what I love to do, and I know that I'm going to be home at a certain time. Um, so I would have to say television. Leon. Wow. Um, you know... I trained to be an actor, so I trained on stage. And so, you know, I love being on stage. I love the, the immediate reaction. I love the fact that you can tell a story from start to finish, from the very beginning, you know, for so, as soon as you start to play to the end, and the audience just goes on that ride with you. You know, when you're shooting a movie or a TV show, I mean, I may die on the first day <laughs> of the shoot and then, you know, get married on the last day. So, and, and I, don't, I don't really see the whole thing even put together until the end. So it's... um. You know, it's different. It's, it's tough to say. I, I truly believe that I was born to be on film. So um, I kind of enjoy that process. And we enjoy seeing you on film. <laughs> thank you. That you've done, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's tough to say. I love it all. I really do. Mr. Payne. I would have to agree with, uh, with what both of them said. Um, but because they all have uh, different advantages, pros and cons. But... One of the things that I love, I mean, training on stage and the immediate gratification, but one of the things that I find about doing this kind of theater, because there are all different kinds of theater, but doing this kind of theater, whether New York or Los Angeles, um, it's a business, television, they don't really reflect us. So even when you're in, the, in these towns, and, and even if you're working on uh, a show or a project that's about us or it's pro it's produced by us, it's still influenced by these other people's interpretations of who we are. So the interesting thing about doing these plays is that the the amount of electricity that you receive, not ju just the interaction from the audience, that's just us. There's nothing... There, there's no middleman. There's nothing. There's just if you strike a chord with us, we let you know. We appreciated that, and uh, and and that that's something that other folks don't really understand about us. They're actually critical of that. They go, "What are they doing talking in the movie?" Or, you know, why are they talking to the actors? And not that you know there there is theater etiquette, but but there's something electric about our lack of of. Uh, control with regard to our impulses when something really moves us. 
Well, I know that audiences have been moved this weekend. You have one more chance to see the last show, 3 o'clock today, Sunday, November 15th. It's Things Your Man Won't Do. It's uh, Tickets are available at Ticketmaster.com. Jacarius Johnson, Alan Payne, Leon Robinson, and the fabulous Miss Terry J. Vaughn. I know you're not feeling Thank too good you. today, so I appreciate you hanging out with us for just a little bit. So great spending some time with all of you. Thank you very much. No, thank, thank you, you so very much. much. We appreciate thank it. You. This is wonderful. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, my handle is Condo29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective.